This is episode number 143 with senior consultant at B Intelligent, Dr. Andreas Hopfgartner. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Super Data Science Podcast. Super excited to have you on board. And I literally just finished a very captivating conversation, uh, which I had with Dr. Andreas Hopfgartner, who is a senior consultant in the space of data science at Intelligent, which is a uh, data science consulting firm. And we talked about a lot of really interesting things. So in this episode, uh, predominantly, probably the most exciting part was when we chatted about uh, the Internet of Things and different applications, what the Internet of Things means, how different cities are becoming smart cities by using the Internet of Things. This was a completely, um, like, we went on a complete tangent with this conversation, but it was so uh, exciting to talk about, and we both gave a couple of examples in that space. Uh, also, in this episode, you will find out how uh, Andreas built his career in data science, what a fundamental approach he took to building his career. And when I mean fundamental, I really mean fundamental. He, Andreas had a um, Trello board set up just for his own career to understand how to attack the question of his career. So I think a lot of us can learn from his experience, his ideas about how to approach building your career in the space of data science. And of course, we'll talk about uh, data science and consulting and why Andreas made uh, the move from academia uh, to consulting and what that meant for him and what tips and tricks he has for anybody else looking at the space of data science consulting as a career. All in all, a very exciting podcast with uh, saturated with lots of content uh, about data science, about Internet of Things, about careers, and I can't wait for you to check it out. Let's dive straight into it. Without further ado, I bring to you Dr. Andreas Hopfgartner, a senior consultant in the space of data science at Intelligent. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Super Day Science Podcast. Today, I've got an exciting guest on the show, Dr. Andreas Hopfgartner. How are you going, Andreas? Welcome to the show. Hi, Gary. Thanks. Thank, thanks for a warm welcome. It, um, great to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be on the show. So, yeah. Fantastic. You, you've been listening to a podcast for a while, you mentioned, and now you're on it. Like, How long have you been listening to a podcast? I think it's now it's 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 uh, like two years. I'm um, listening to podcasts and um, while driving, while commuting, like everywhere. And um, it's quite exciting to be uh, on a podcast now myself. Oh, that's that's really cool. That's really cool. And um, where are you right now? I'm uh, in Munich. Uh, I'm in my apartment right now, uh, and it's freezing cold outside. Yeah. Um, uh, like a week week ago, we we were uh, uh, spring was was on its way, and now it's snowing again. So yes. yeah, yeah, I, I can I can feel your pain because I'm actually uh, as as we discussed before the podcast, like I'm not far away. I'm uh, I'm in uh, in France on the border between France yeah. and Switzerland near Geneva, and uh, yeah, it's so cold. It's like unbelievably cold. Like why? <laughs> it's March, right? It's like it's middle of yeah. March, end of March, and it's like still freezing where did this come from is this normal for europe um the, the last years um the winter is getting later and later so i remember when when i was a child um uh, minus 20 degrees celsius uh, or even 30 degrees was quite normal like in in december yeah um but now it's it's like a bit warmer and um snow is, is coming later to us yeah. so 
seems seems quite normal for the last years but um yeah everybody's like like uh, has the flu and um yeah. is waiting for for the spring and the barbecue season here so yeah and this flu is yeah. is very dangerous this year it's like yeah. it's very different to what we, what was happening previously so everybody should be careful out there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got a, I got a cool story for our listeners. I, I already mentioned it to Andres that I'm I'm like sitting on the like near uh, Switzerland and I can see Switzerland outside the window. I'm in a hotel, and so like my internet connection at the hotel was bad, but I have a Swiss SIM card right now, and so like I'm close enough to Switzerland for the signal to be picked up, and I'm using that now. And so I actually put the phone near to the window so I can go to Switzerland. <laughs> to the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Europe is so yeah. amazing in that sense. Like in Australia, yeah. you have no borders. There's no other countries there. Just still. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's cool. All right. Well, let's let's jump into your story. So we're here to discuss um, uh, your background, how you got into data science, what you're doing right now, and things like that. So lots, lots to go through. Let's kick off with your background so let's start with um because like just like a quick teaser for our listeners there's there's an exciting career that uh andreas is uh pursuing right now it's uh it's a mix of um a background in physics and now he's in data science and consulting and things like that so i really want to dig in and understand how you structured this path for yourself and what you've been through so let's kick off with with the background so what did you uh, study what education did you undertake <laughs> um, yeah in, in the end it all feels like uh, things uh, come one after another and mm. suddenly I'm here <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I started with, 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 with physics uh, I was very lazy and bad at school uh, even at math and uh, no way the, yeah you have a I PhD was, in physics and you were lazy at school yeah. no way <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember the first uh, the first lecture like in math um, and they started with complex numbers and uh, I was sitting there like what, what is a complex number <laughs> uh, and uh, it was really hard but it, it was that what I always wanted to do like physics and astronomy that's um, yeah fascinated me um, and I wanted to, to understand and um, why did it fascinate you I'm sorry to interrupt like but like why is it like because what you could see outside the stars you see you could see or is there any other reason um, it, it's like um, can I describe it it's like um, modeling the world and um, yeah uh, uh, describe it in, in, in terms of formulas, in terms of data. Can I derive something from the data? And that was what, what fascinated me in the end too. Um, I, I came uh, like um, in the middle of, of the studies. Um, um, I did a lot in, in computer science uh, or in, in computing physics, um, algorithms, uh, in, in, uh, like in, in chaos theory, nonlinear dynamics. And then you can simulate a lot. And um, yeah, working with a computer fascinated me as well. Mm. And um, that, that was a part. So mm. yeah, I, I, I could, why I ask is because I can totally relate to that. Like for me as well, physics is so amazing. It's because it's like, it's this world we live in, but it is all governed by formulas. It's like it's as if it's yeah. as if it's like we're living in a computer simulation. You know, if you do this, then that. If this, then that. It's yeah. like it's yeah. fascinating <laughs> when you look at it from that perspective. Yeah, I, I remember what one uh, prof uh, said. Um, uh, what was it again? So every every physical problem has a beautiful uh, but completely wrong solution and <laughs> that's what it is so. <laughs> uh, but like how, how is that what does that mean like i don't quite don't quite understand like why why wrong solution so, well, be, because like everything is, is is a model it's it's just a model it, it doesn't describe um your problem perfectly ah, okay. um, and in terms like when you want to make predictions with, with, with firm which which is kind of regression too so then you have to know your initial conditions and if, if your initial conditions uh, have errors so you propagate the errors over time and then uh, your yeah uh, everything uh, um, gets more and more erroneous and um, that is meant by by uh, so no model is perfect um, it's it's just a model it's yeah, not yeah. the truth so yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, I understand. Like, yeah. e even when, um, uh, but if you propagate errors over time, I like that. It reminded me of uh, one time I heard that 
in astronomy, sometimes when they predict like the speed of a distant star or something like that, because it's so far away, and yeah. in this case you're propagating the error not by time but by distance, some like yeah. in some different specific applications, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, um, they're happy even if they get like a um, you know, plus minus 2000 percentage, you know, like if they predict the yeah, speed yeah. and like plus minus 2000 <laughs> percent order the location, yeah. you know, like the accuracy is ridiculously low. Yeah. It's like completely out of proportion. The, the error, the yeah. error like of 2000 yeah. percent, that's crazy, but that's yeah. the best they can get sometimes. Yeah. Signal and the noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so you, sorry, completely got off track there. So you were, <laughs> you mentioned you were lazy at school, but like how did that translate into into your career, but like into your path through physics and math? Like you were fascinated by physics. That's where we stopped. You were fascinated by physics. Okay, take us from there. Yeah, that, that's uh, when physics started fascinating me and um, I got more and more into algorithms and I found myself... Uh, uh, doing a, a PhD in uh, magnetic resonance Im imaging, which uh, there was a, a department for biomedical uh, physics um, in uh, at, at uh, the university, uh, and I started there, um, basically doing uh, motion correction um, and um, t taking the signal in MRI is uh, quite complicated. You're taking uh, frequencies, so you have to translate from frequency domain to like a spatial domain uh, using a Fourier transform. And that makes all quite complicated because you're dealing with frequencies uh, and then with, with, with spatial. And uh, um, so motion correction is uh, dealing a lot with algorithms, uh, optimization algorithms. And um, yeah, signal and noise problem is, is common in, in MRI. So you're always dealing uh, between um, um, uh, signal and, 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 and noise and, and try to optimize your, um, your gain. So, mm -hmm. um, and okay. I worked a lot with like, um, with, with, uh, principal component analysis to separate, um, signal and noise and uncorrelated signal from correlated signals. So, um, I had a few touch points to data science uh, then as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So is that, is that, is that like what you, did for your thesis for your PhD? Yes, yeah. Mm, okay, and so basically when we're doing MRIs, maybe some of your work is uh, is involved in those MRIs that, that you use in med medicine right now. I, I probably hope so. So we, we did a lot of uh, uh, research in, in dental MRI, which um, I think um, just one or two people tried before. Mm -hmm. uh, even high high precision impressions from from the teeth to uh, build uh, um, to rebuild teeth uh, and so on and so forth, and uh, it took a few years um, to um, yeah before the publications uh, were were read. But I think now um, it's it's getting more and more in in in, in high precision MRI. So people are reading the the publications right now. I hope mm -hmm. at least. <laughs> Yeah, good. Okay, gotcha. What yeah. what is a normal price for an MRI? Because like, it varies crazily between countries. In Australia, it's like three hundred dollars. In the US, when I when I asked when I was there, it was like somebody told me like like over a thousand dollars for one MRI scan. What, what what would you say is a good price for an MRI? Um, the MRI system, I think, was in former times. Uh, it was a million for uh, a Tesla in magnetic field st strength, yeah. and uh, the examination. I think it depends on on uh, what you're doing, um, but roughly speaking, in, in in Germany, it was like 800 euros per hour. Wow. Okay. So. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Sorry, that was just kind of like my 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 personal question. Um, all right. So MRI, and then you did a PhD in that space. Yeah. But then you didn't stay in academia. What made you make the move away from uh, physics into data science? <laughs> um, I wanted to work with like cutting edge technologies with uh, something. Um, that um, has real impact and that is uh yeah like um i, I did a phd in four, four and a half years 
and this is uh, usually like a hard time. Mm -hmm. You do everything all over again and again and again, and then you have to write it all together, and uh, then you think through again. Mm -hmm. And I think like project cycles in industry are, are like shorter. Um, you working with new technologies, and um, yeah, that was basically the point to to shorter projects and see many um, many companies, many different uh, sectors. Um, and I, I wanted to to work in consultancy, so. Okay. That was my gotcha. And so, do, are you satisfied with the project life cycle in in uh, data science? Is it faster than what, doing a PhD? <laughs> Actually, my projects are not faster. <laughs> <laughs> not really. They they are a bit, but um, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're a bit faster. And what is funny is uh, when I was uh, uh, in the at the university, um, I worked a lot with MATLAB, mm -hmm. uh, and now I'm working more and more with, uh, or Basically, I'm only working with open source tools like Python and Pandas and Spark and uh, and so on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I find it quite funny because I thought like I, I want to see other things like MATLAB and more like yeah, not professional but more cutting edge, more uh, and and not the the academic open source. And like now I'm uh, the other way around. Back to the yeah. open source. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's interesting because your LinkedIn does say you're a Python addict. Oh, interesting! Yeah. Like, was it, was it? How long did it take you to become a Python addict from you know from moving on <laughs> away from MATLAB? Um, like um, a, a, a Python addict, uh, it took me a year. I think a, a year. year. A so year. yeah. So from yeah. from that phase where you're like, no, you know, this open source, I want to do MATLAB, and then a year later, you're like, yeah. oh, I love Python, so so good. Yeah. In, in my first project, where I was uh, uh, right after the um, at university, um, I was at Altran and uh, I was working in uh, in uh, optical imaging for semiconductor uh, processing. So it was at, at size, and I was using MATLAB too. Um, and I was discussing with with people that are using Python and say, ah, it's it's. You can basically do the same. It's open source. It's like it has advantages here, uh, and now I'm seeing all these advantages. And I, I would say I would never go back because I can use so many packages, even in private uh, projects. Yeah. Um, like if if it is web scraping or something, it it's just easy to to work with, and that, that's what makes uh, made me like becoming an addict because mm. so many people are contributing. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's where the world's going. Kind of like we can see. Uh, you know, companies like what is it, uh, SPSS, right? Um, yeah. Um, and then you know, MATLAB and so on, being slowly edged out by these open source tools, sim simply because it's uh, the power of the community, right? Like people are contributing, yeah. people are. You can ask questions. There's always somebody to help you out and things like that. That's that's really cool about what I like about yeah. these tools. Yeah, that's just awesome. Even if you. Uh, if you're using some minor pictures, um, you can uh, raise an issue at GitHub, and people are 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 happy getting issues and and improving. Uh, it's yeah, 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 <laughs> it's, yeah. It's just fun to work yeah, with. Yeah, for sure. And I had a question for you. So, like, this is a, a careers podcast. A lot of people listening to this are uh, starting out data scientists or continuing or expert data scientists thinking about how to structure their career. Like, the question I had for you is, why did you move from the academia world into consulting like a lot of people make the move from academia into data science yeah. but they go into industry they you know they pick an industry they pick a sector and they work there whereas the move into consulting i've seen that before you know we've, we've had guests like that on the podcast but i'm always interested to yeah. understand the thinking behind that like what what made you choose consulting over industry yeah um so for, for me, it's like the most exciting or interesting is to have uh, like the, a holistic picture of something, of, of an idea, of a, a method, of a technique, and then apply it to different sectors, to different problems. And um, I want to focus uh, and learn the technique, that idea, um, but not being in, in a job where I'm constantly doing like this and that. Um, as, as, a, as a consultant, I see many um, 
many of our customers. Um, and um, I was remembering a, a former project I had to uh, train uh, one one of uh, the colleagues from my customer in, in a specific uh, technique. Um, and uh, he was like way better than me before I started it. But he mm -hmm. was so busy with, with uh, me meetings, with, with all of that, um, that in the end, it's like a quarter of a year later, um, I like... Um, had many many things that I could could tell him or like we could discuss and he could improve from that so I can concentrate more on on yeah the techniques than more on on the uh, on the business as usual or um, yeah don't know don't know how to say I hope you get the point yeah 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 no like I, I I get it so like it gives you like I guess a way of putting it is that it gives you that extra variety of projects right like you you don't have to be yeah. stuck working, uh, not not necessarily stuck, yeah. but you don't have to commit to working on the same type of yeah. uh, project or same type of uh, business as usual task all the time. Yeah. You can actually diversify your interests yeah. or um, specialization between different things and try out different things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And so um, you've worked at a couple of uh, companies uh, after moving away from your uh, from, acad from your academic role. Uh, and now you're working for Btelligent, so B.Telligent for those listening. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about the company? What does Btelligent do? Is it's uh, I'm assuming it's a consulting firm. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a consulting firm, uh, and uh, it's highly specialized uh, in in uh, business intelligence, uh, data warehousing, and uh, big data. Mm -hmm. And I think the the cool part is. Um, it's uh, like owner-run. We are not too big. We are, uh, I think, 140 people right now, uh, including the the front office and the back office. So um, it's a it's a good size. Um, it's not too small and not too big. Um, you can like we are, we are we are, we are really flexible. Uh, yeah. From, from size and from, from projects. Mm -hmm. And um, our uh, idea is um, we have many partners um, like uh, AWS, Microsoft Azure, and um, which I'm a bit proud of is we're, I think, at the moment, the only uh, Databricks partner in Germany. So that's quite exciting, but we try to be independent and uh, help our customers in that way they need. Uh, and um, we challenge the customer and ask them, to find the real business case and the optimal business case um, to to help him. So that's uh, our idea. And um, uh, I, mm -hmm. I I don't like to sound like like uh, making an ad, but I, I love the company and the people behind um, because um, yeah, they're warm and friendly and, and, and helpful people with a lot of knowledge and um, sp uh, specific knowledge in, in, in certain sectors. Um, yeah, we are working um, cross-sector, um, so we are in each sector, um, but not in defense and armament, so um, yeah, that's okay. basically... All right. So thanks. Thanks for that. That's uh, a good ex uh, description. And I think it's important when a company creates the right culture, nurtures the right people, uh, so that everybody's yeah. friendly and warm. It's it's really exciting to hear that you know you found a company like that. Um, and yeah. uh, what what about your role? Can you like again, of course, uh, without disclosing any um, sensitive information or trade secrets can you tell us a bit about your role what do you do like on linkedin it says you're a senior consultant in data science and be to be intelligent what does that what does it involve what is your day-to-day -day role there yeah so um my role is basically bringing a bit more sensor knowledge to to be intelligent so um i i think that was my my chance to uh, get get a position in data science um from like like from scratch um and um, I dealt a lot with, with signal processing and so on. And uh, my daily role is I um, work um, at um, a long-term customer right now. It's a public um, supplier in Munich. 
and um, I'm doing a lot of IoT analytics use cases there. We try to find use cases in, in, in mobility and transportation, um, like from all transport vessels uh, um, you can imagine in, uh, in Munich, starting from um, the tram to vehicles, uh, rental vehicles and so on. And um, yeah, I, I want to discuss IoT applications and um, um, so speaking of that, um, I can like give you an idea. Um, we have, um, so our company is trying to share a lot of knowledge. Um, we have, uh, we give many workshops um, with uh, together with our partners and we have a Congress, which is uh, in, my, in May in Munich. It's basically a net networking Congress, but we have an IoT showcase there. And this is kind of, uh, I think it's remote control soccer game, like with a remote control <laughs> car. That's so you, cool. You, people can play soccer and um, there's a, a laser barrier, which is uh, like uh, uh, sensing if goals are, are uh, if goals are scored and um yeah, we want to combine that with uh, predictive analytics, with uh, maybe um, with, with with the noise. Are people like are they screaming when when somebody scores a goal? Um, doing statistics, um, every goal and every movement is like there, there is a blockchain in the background mm. um, where everything is uh, is registered, uh, and we can do blockchain uh, uh, analysis after that. And even uh, if people like are they moving? We have a video camera which is um, like um, are, are people moving closer to the winning team and so on and so forth and uh, it's like yeah finding use cases for for IOT applications and uh, bringing more more um, industrial um, IOT data to to be intelligent because um, intelligent grow up in uh, uh, in business intelligence and in customer intelligence um, the focus is uh, on customers on people and um, now we're trying to get more to industrial data where the final customer is is human but mm -hmm. yeah gotcha uh, so, Andreas like it sounded very exciting and I can feel like a lot of passion but there was so many things you just mentioned you know from the conference to the Munich transport <laughs> to the IOT to the cameras and so on let's go this through this like uh, step by step I really want to dig into yeah, more okay so to start yeah. off with can you tell us what is IOT what is internet of things what is implied by that term ah okay so um IoT is uh, like for me, it's uh, the connection of everything which uh, is um, connected to to the internet or mm -hmm. connected to to the network. This uh, are basically sensor informations. Like um, it can be a heart rate sensor, like the watch, uh, the smartwatch you are wearing. Mm -hmm. um, it can be um, a, a, a car with different sensors. It can be your uh, your washing machine, um, um, like everything, your everything mobile that phone, is your, your mobile laptop, phone and so on, like yeah. a sensor in the street, something like anything that's connected to the internet, basically. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And um, the interesting part is now, um, can we combine the information from the sensors together mm. and get some new insights or maybe some um, decisions that are made, like in. Um, in, in, in the smart home, can the blends be uh, like, uh, uh, can we open them when the sun is shining and so on? Um, mm. Okay, gotcha. And, and so this kind of leads us into uh, that project for the transport in Munich where you are, I, is, is my understanding correct that you're also taking uh, data from the Internet of Things, you know, from different sensors, whether it's on the street, whether it's um, other sensors, I don't know, like um, uh, through sensors that are, might be on a bus, sensors that might be on a on a different type of uh, vehicle that's participating in the transport, um, and you, you're combining that to understand like traffic congestion. Is, is that is that right? Can you talk a little bit more about that uh, that specific project? Yeah. So 
at the moment the, the main uh, the main goal is to learn like um for for later and i think the main goal of every city and and, and every transportation system uh, in terms of uh, like uh, let, let, let's take a bus um i think the most important bus are becoming electrified um um, because of uh, the pollution of the cities and so on. And um, a regular bus, um, you can uh, fill the, the gas like when he's coming back at night. Um, you, you fill it uh, and then it's, uh, it's going uh, the, the next day uh, and it comes back and you fill it again. So if you're doing this with, with, with batteries, um, then you might run into breakdowns of the systems or you have to have a good infrastructure um, in, in your city to load all, all the buses because um, that's a lot of energy. They, it would take a long time to load them. So mm -hmm. like um, this are future scenarios where you have to learn from uh, the movement of people, of buses, of transportation systems right now um, to learn for, for the future. And um, to yeah get get use cases for that. Okay, okay, gotcha. So um, you're kind of like preempting the problem before it happens. That uh, like yeah. we will observe the current small uh, fraction or small uh, fleet of yeah. electric buses to understand what will happen when it's a bigger fleet. Like just yeah. one of those use cases. Okay, all right, yeah. makes sense. And yep, yeah. And, and and then you additionally deal with with demands from people like where do they want to go today um, where do they usually travel it's a working day it's a weekend is the weather good is uh, there special events and um, these are things uh, you you want to com combine and um, each city has its own kind of infrastructure and problems and problematic areas so um, you can uh, like develop ideas to overcome them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. Um, that's that's really cool. I actually heard of a project they did. Uh, I really apologize to those from Spain. I don't remember. It's either Madrid or Barcelona. I think it was Madrid, where they applied a similar problem, but they did that for um, ambulances. So like they use the Internet of Things they they had yeah. from the city. Have you have you heard of that one? No, no, not yet. Okay, so so they basically use the Internet of data from the Internet of Things in in the city. They had like sensors, traffic lights, video cameras, everything they could like could connect together, and they would predict, um, you know, where which is the best route for an ambulance to take at any point in time, and that oh, way they okay. like really increased the number of you know like people they were able to save because you know heart attacks and things like that. It's a big city, right? Like uh, ambulance can get stuck yeah. in traffic, and there's nothing you can do. But they they really optimize it through the internet of things like that. That's really interesting. Yeah, that, that's a good mm. good application. Yeah, important and, application for it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and another one is like somewhere uh, in the Netherlands or in Denmark. There's like they built a smart city as well. Like, or they're building a smart city. They're putting a lot of sensors into these lampposts, the ones you see that uh, you know like they already switch on automatically most of the time when it's like just gets dark but that's just a basic um, uh, like basic uh, what's it called reaction or basic device doing yeah. that but they're actually adding to those lampposts they're adding uh, sensors you know like that sense like humidity pollution traffic uh, pedestrians walking by oh. and everything and like if because these lampposts especially in uh, first world countries and and Europe, like they're all over the place. If every lamppost have a has a sensor, then they can monitor um, like what's going on in the city. Where are more people walking? Less people walking? Where 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 was like there are uh, um, louder louder noises because you know more traffic is moving and things like that. And uh, that is really helping them understand how to plan yeah. the city for the future. So yeah. it's a very popular uh, application these days. Yeah, and it's and it's so interesting which information, uh, which information is sufficient mm. to uh, yeah to 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 solve your problem. Like I heard of uh, the Deutsche Bahn, uh, the rail company in Germany, um, they uh, analyzed their, their their rolling stairways, um, uh, doing sound analysis uh, when there are tiny stones in between the stairs. So that's uh, um, a sign for for yeah. Uh, for Maybe. failure uh -huh. and yeah for, yes yes so uh, qu quite interesting what what is sufficient for yeah yeah uh, yeah like when you mentioned the 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 lamps 
Yeah, and another one in in the U.S. somewhere. Uh, I think it was. I think I'm not sure. Maybe Chicago or some some like big city in the U.S. They put sensors that can register uh, the sound of a gunshot. So whenever somebody oh, okay. like shoots from a gun, that sensor can understand that's that's not just like a, a tire blew up or some yeah. some box fell on the ground. It can realize that that is a gunshot somehow through through the way through the acoustics that of a gunshot, mm. and right away like police goes to that place. So it helps with crime as well. Crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting crazy. how how the Internet of Things and data are yeah. affecting our lives. And most of the time, we don't even realize these things. We don't even yeah. think about them. Have you have you heard of of the sensor? I think it it was under development from from Google. Uh, it's a radar sensor uh, and combined with other sensors, and you just place it in your home, uh-huh. and then you you start doing things like you open your fridge and you tell the sensor, "This is the electric impression from opening my fridge, wherever it is," mm. and it learns like um, what you're doing. And so one one day you get, go off the house and like. Your system is uh, telling you you forgot to close the fridge because <laughs> that signal is missing. So, like it learns from from electric impressions or something. Uh, yeah, that's so cool. To, I want to get, get the information. That's yeah. that's <laughs> awesome. That's such a good idea. Like, uh, and and that's what kind of like I think people need to look into, especially people with creative minds, entrepreneurial spirit. They should yeah. think about ways to use data or capture because Internet of Things is ultimately about capturing data. Right? It's like how do you capture like the the way I my my view on this is that data exists no matter what. Like it, whether yeah. we capture it or not, like a plane flying by, that's data. A gust of wind, that's mm-hmm. data. A, a true a leaf falling from a tree, that's data. The problem is that we're in the many cases we're just not capturing it. So Internet of Things addresses the problem, okay, how do we capture this data? And that, that idea that you just described from mm-hmm. Google, that's an ingenious idea of capturing yeah. lo- data from lots of different aspects of a home without actually interfering with the devices such as the fridge or the washing machine and so on. You just ha- capture it through electric impulses because, again, yeah. those electric impulses of the waves, they're there. Data is there. Just find a way to capture it. And it's a whole whole new industry. Like uh, I, I believe it's like trillions of dollars in the internet of things right now. Yeah. Okay, well, exciting, exciting, exciting field, exciting field to be in. And that's a great overview of internet of things. And now it makes a bit more sense. So you, like what you mentioned about that, um, uh, that conference you have where people can play uh, with uh, with uh, device like ro- remote controls, cars they can play soccer, right? Is that, so that's kind of like if I'm understanding correctly, that's like an experiment where you just invite people to have fun, but then at the same time, it's a challenge for you guys to see what you how can you can ha- capture that data that is present in that whole experience itself of people coming closer with their cameras further, you know, making more noise, making less noise. And how can you use that in analytics? Am I understanding that right, or or that's completely out of line? Yes, definitely. So it's it's great for so so that's a conference where customers are speaking to customers. So uh, we have a lot of lot of uh, uh, people from um, from um, yeah the the, the engineering departments mm. and the BI departments from our customers. So. Um, they can play around. They can see the ideas. Maybe they can adopt something for themselves. Uh, can talk a bit about uh, about it. Uh, generate new ideas, and it's it's just like it's it's uh, amazing to to uh, observe all this and like. But there are so many ideas, and when I tell people of this, they they bring their own ideas and say, "Oh, you can do this." and uh, what what is the part of blockchain here, and why do you need this, and mm. and and so on, and um, yeah, it's quite amazing to see this. And the the amazing part for me was um, this all runs uh, in in Asia uh, environment. So even the blockchain, it's like um, I don't know completely, but I think it's like twenty or thirty lines of code. So mm. um, it's just like the beauty of an idea and the beauty of code. In the end, it's just like if you have the idea, it's like one or two or three hours to 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 see it working. So mm. that's the exciting part. It's 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 easy to do. That's very cool. So what in, is that? Asia is that the environment you you mentioned that the blockchain yeah. and everything's running. Okay, um, 
All right. Well, that that's 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 really cool to hear. You mentioned blockchain, so um, like I've been studying about blockchain for the past couple of months, and it's really exciting technology. Yeah. Like, what what can you say about how blockchain is impacting the world right now, from from your perspective, from what you've seen? <laughs> from, from my perspective it, it's like the, the wild west <laughs> like uh, blockchain is, is a, a, everyone has, has like a lot of ideas most people think of of, uh, um, of crypto coins uh, mm -hmm. and I, I try to, to like get um, good business cases um, for dealing with data that are worthful for our customers so mm -hmm. um Probably it's possible to do permission management with with like customer data and so on and so forth. Um, so that's occupying me and us a lot. Um, I'm I'm not deep. I'm I understand uh, how the blockchain works, but I'm not deeply into it right now. Um, I try to develop that as well as as uh, the deep learning aspect. So <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm trying to get get more. To get, to get deeper in, in, uh, into deep learning right now, so uh, blockchain is postponed to to later on. But um, I try to work on on ideas. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And, yeah, so I, I'm I'm pretty much excited. What will be real business cases for the blockchain, mm -hmm. and and which is a nice nice to have, or which is a good idea, but um, not suitable for for the application uh, for our customers. So. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And so, so, but like in general, you you think that Beteligent, your company, will be going into the space of blockchain at some point, or if they if you haven't yet started doing it, like it is a perspective uh, area for you guys to be looking into. It is definitely, surely. Uh, mm -hmm. Many many colleagues are, are working uh, right now and and um, try to get deeper into it, to develop ideas and uh, working with this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, I think it's it's definitely a at le at the very least a very exciting technology that's come up with, and it has so much potential that it can uh, yeah really disrupt many industries. And people who get their hands on blockchain um, or, or get the skills of you know, of blockchain right now, it's like um, I don't know. It's like um, how to explain? It's like Companies that didn't have websites versus companies that first started yeah. to have websites, that type of advantage, that magnitude yeah. of disruption. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty much excited for your online course. I'm, I'm waiting for, Thank you. for, Thank for you. it to come. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, the Kickstarter just finished. So that's, yeah. that's cool. And now the course is going to go live in the, in the next uh, couple of weeks. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, like we'll slowly start oh. getting things there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um so we chatted about that. Um what so in terms of careers, what do you would you say uh, are important skills for a data scientist to have if they'd like to be a consultant? Mm -hmm. So for us, I think the most important part is like strong background in in uh, statistical knowledge because we have to explain the customer a lot mm -hmm. what we are doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so statistics is very important for us. And even SQL. Um, I know ev everyone who sees programming like in Python or, or Spark or something uh, is like laughing, ah, SQL and, and so on. But um, if, if you're sitting at the customer and um, you're, you're sitting like uh, um, getting some something out of a database uh, and then you have to Google like, um, what, how do I do this <laughs> analytic tool? Da, da, da. Not the best impression, so, right? Not the best impression, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely okay for other, other things. It's like uh, in uh, consultancy, it's, it's often like learning uh, while doing a project, but um, yeah, statistics and SQL is uh, like it very important for us mm -hmm. um, we have uh, um, the the business uh, in, uh, business aspect is very important for us so um, having uh, um, good uh, business cases for the customer and um, the process knowledge understanding the company how does the data flow um, 
into the data warehouse and so on. This is very important um, for us. Um, and um, I think in business intelligence data science, this is the most these are the most important aspects so and then um, I think having fun uh, wanting to learn and improve it's, it's um, yeah the most important because when you start learning something uh, it's old so you can yeah. <laughs> learn learn the next next thing and uh, yeah. think uh, Python and Spark is now quite these are the tools uh, which we are working a lot so R is getting more and more uh, into background uh, and um, Spark is like the new SQL mm. and so these are like the skills um, I see for data scientists in, in BI consultancy. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. So you've used R before and you you think that R is kind of like moving to the background right now? I didn't. I didn't really use R. So, uh, but I, I was starting right off with with, with Python. I did. Uh, uh, I, I think I understand like the the, um, the structure and, and the semantics of, of R, but I didn't really work a lot with it. And I started uh, with, with with Python, um, and um, I started with Python right off when I was joining Intelligent uh, and uh, Spark too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, okay. Um, these are from discussions with with colleagues and with colleagues from from other uh, companies. Um, they see that R is uh, going more and more to background. Um, I think you can see it when when you look at the the Spark uh, um, website, uh, the, the website from Databricks. Like um, the PySpark and Scala is what what people are doing and, and which is most developed. And R is like um, yeah, uh, it, it, I think it, it is under development, but um, not as fast. Not as perfect. not as fast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I th I think you know I think R has a future, but like in. Personally, I think in like very specialized applications, it might be yeah. I might be wrong. It might be different, but the advantage of Python, I think, is that uh, first of all, syntax is simpler to understand for beginners to jump into, and also yeah. it has that that aspect that R doesn't. That it it is a language that you can and is used for development, not just for data science. So R is specifically tailored to data science and statistics, whereas Python can yeah. and is used for application development and that when you combine the two then you get superpower like like if you're a data scientist why would you limit yourself maybe in the future you will want to develop applications one day or the other way around if you're uh, developing applications you might transition into yeah. using data science in your applications and python allows for that yeah all right and so we talked about tools a little bit what about techniques uh, you know like what kind of data science techniques do you use with us if again if if you can share these um, for trying things out, um, I use ensemble methods, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's basically at my project. I'm in the phases of uh, like uh, um, I have one small project which is a proof of concept um, with uh, with like uh, not the best uh, data. I have to do a lot of data cleaning and prep and so on. So it's like trying things out, and mm -hmm. um, I try to use like. Uh, simple and clean models um, at the customer. So um, a lot of customers want to have the models explained. So um, it's easier to use simple models, even mm. if they perform a bit worse, um, but you can tune. Yeah. And um, interpretability, yeah, that's important component. Yeah. yeah. And right now I'm doing a lot of data mining, um, seeing like correlations of different attributes and something and <clears throat> Try to combine that with different use cases. So um, this is what what I'm um, yeah working in terms of of uh, techniques right right now. Mm -hmm. um, I I try to do um, uh, try to develop a, a few predictive maintenance uh, things, and um, there are different different approaches. So um, either you can learn from your data is something going to break, yes or no. Like um, you can predict uh, a, a binary uh, label. Um, which is basically not working well because of all the false positives you have. So, and uh, that's, I think, the, the biggest problem there. Um, and there are other uh, approaches uh, like predicting um, some um, remaining useful lifetime. So you, at first you have to break things uh, and mm -hmm. then try to learn if you can tell how... Uh, or if you can train a model on that um, when it will break. There are a few interesting um, 
Um, if, if you look for that in YouTube, I think there is a, 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 a interesting video from Microsoft. Um, I can't remember the name right now, but um, if uh, you're interesting, uh, interested, I can give you the yes the link afterwards. Uh, yes, I find yes. it quite in interesting method for yeah for prediction remaining for lifetime of, of a product, and so these are like techniques I'm I'm using right now. Okay, okay, that's that's really cool. So, um, uh, some interesting method, some interesting techniques, especially remaining useful lifetime. We talked to someone on the podcast about remaining useful lifetime. Oh, I can't remember the technique they used for that, but yeah, okay. Hmm. Um, uh, all right. So then, the other uh, thing I wanted to ask you: um, what's the biggest challenge you've had as a data scientist? Like, what's the biggest <laughs> thing that you've had to face? <laughs> uh, the, the biggest challenge I had to face was uh, I, I was one month at, at Bitelligent um, and uh, beginning uh, to, uh, I, I was at the customer and, and um, yeah, to trying to get into it, uh, learning to know all the colleagues. And um, yeah, it was a lot of impressions. And then um, there was this one day where my boss asked me, there is a training of Microsoft in Amsterdam. And uh, like uh, three of my colleagues, uh, they have children and uh, there were public holidays. And they said, um, uh, two of them said they want to stay with their family. And the other one said, so it's like too basic for him. Um, it's it's uh, mm. a basic training and, and he's like he's at one skills in, in, in uh, Databricks that it was uh, the like pre-private announcement of uh, Azure Databricks. And mm -hmm. we were invited as as a, the only German partner uh, to train with a Microsoft uh, Global Black Belts. And that was a hard part. So being a data assist for like a month <laughs> and uh, uh, together in one room with 20 global black belts of Microsoft people asking me like, is this your customer? Oh, like, uh, uh, I'm just like riding with a guy from Shell. And like, <laughs> uh, it was tough times because they're really, really uh, good people and yeah. yeah. So that, just threw you into the fire right away, like into, yeah, into right the, away. the war. The, yeah, like, yeah, like what's it called? Training by fire, yeah? Something like training that. by fire, yeah. exactly. Trial, trial by fire, there we go. Trial yeah. By fire. yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, so yeah. uh, fun people. So. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, and, and I like those situations because um, you, you see something to strive towards very... Uh, very uh, quickly, so you see where where you want to, like where you want to be in the next year or two or three or five yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah, it's like even though you're completely out of your comfort zone, you you want that to be your comfort zone one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And so, uh, all right. And now on the flip side, you know, like that's the biggest challenge. What's what about a big, uh, well, a recent win? Something that you can share with us? Something that you're proud of that you accomplished in your role? Um. I, I think the biggest win was um, finally to get a, a position in data science. It took me two years mm. after exhausting talks and talking to, uh, it, it was Itron where, where I worked before. Um, they didn't really have uh, a, a data science department or people doing a lot of data science. Uh, so only like machine learning engineers like here and there. I wanted to do data science and, and, and consulting. And so finally, uh, I remember I had a Trello board where I was like figuring out what can I do in data science, how to get into data science, how to get a job. You set up uh, a Trello board for yourself to understand how to get into data science. I yeah I, I'm like I, I love planning. <laughs> that's such a fundamental approach to a career. Oh my wow! You should give uh, I, I, give lessons on how to do that. That I love that. That's so cool. It's it's just like I, I love working with tools and and, and I, I love Trello and yeah. and I, I didn't have a project to work with so I said ah, let's let's do a business case and yeah. like I, I did it and it. it it was like every every quarter where where I looked into it and and I forget it, and um, there was this one day where I wanted to like delete it or go back, and it's like I reached almost exactly what I wrote into this board. Like uh, it was amazing. So that's so um, cool. It, it was quite a win. So uh, yeah. So I hope those sorry to interrupt, but I hope those listening to this are like. You know, take take note of that because like it's you're right like once you write something down 
it's so different to just having it in your head once you write something down like i want this this is my aspiration this is yeah. my goal this is my dream once you write something down it's like magic how these things come true it's magic how the opportunities like align and and you get and then you look back you're like whoa you know wrote it down and now i i am there now i got what i wanted it's it's always fascinating yeah it is and I remember I was buying this this whiteboard for, for my apartment just like to trying out because I love like writing by hand. Mm. Uh, it, it, it gives me like more more, more feedback. And uh, so she was looking at that and uh, what what is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is this doing in our apartment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but it's exactly like like you say. It's just like it's uh, yeah. You have to like visualize or like when you see it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And so, so you found like that. That's interesting. Like, I would like to go into that a little bit more. So you, you found it difficult. Can you clarify this for us? Like, you finished your PhD, and then you found it difficult. Like for two years, you were looking for a job, or you already had a job, but you were looking for a different job. How how did how did that work? Uh, I, I had a job. I, I was working for Altron, uh, which which is an like uh, technology technology consultancy or engineering services, uh, uh -huh. um, as you might might want to call. Yeah. And um, I did a lot of system integration, um, engineering, and working with algorithms. I always did like simulations and and uh, uh, optimization problems. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was trying to do like real data science, like like data science you see people doing in podcasts, or like, mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean. And and it was hard, like um, like getting there because we didn't have many many data science projects, and uh, if then it was hard like to get into them because you, right now you had a project somewhere else or. Like there were better people, <laughs> yeah. So I tried to speak with with um, with colleagues from from Altron with with, with different uh, business units. So we had strong business units uh, for the sectors like automotive, uh, mm -hmm. which has uh, more project in like machine learning yep. uh, and image recognition and so forth. And there were other sectors like rail and and. Uh, um, yeah, like air, aircraft and so on, and it's it's hard to move from one one sector to another. So gotcha. that's always a process, and um, it was hard to move like in this big company with four thousand people in in Germany, I think. So yeah, um, I tried to speak a lot to uh, like uh, headhunters and um, yeah to find uh, a, a good position where uh, a company trust me that I can do. It data science um, that I will develop uh, and that I can bring some um, I can bring something uh, within the company so um, I think it's, it's a hard part uh, to see what what you can bring to something so mm. I spoke a lot of strategy consultancies and and all of that and I think that that's what was not the right thing so okay um, Said, yeah okay maybe it's a bit too junior and yeah so gotcha so basically uh yeah. it's not that you you didn't have a job or you were struggling to find a job like it's just that you were looking for the right job the, the one that you would enjoy the yeah. one that you actually wanted so yeah okay because gotcha. yeah. that part found me i found a little surprising is like so much demand for uh people with yeah. your type of skills like it's probably quite easy and that's what people should also understand is that it's quite easy to get any type of job but I really respect when people set out and <laughs> create a Trello board <laughs> to find the perfect <laughs> job for themselves. It's very important, right? To find the opportunity that you're going to be enjoying and happy with and growing. And it seems like you found that and be intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, where's my uh, next question I had? Oh, okay. So we talked about the challenge. Now, the, uh, again, uh, opposite side. What is your most favorite thing about being a data scientist? Something that excites you. Why why do you wake up with a smile on your face in the morning? Hopefully, <laughs> most days. <laughs> it, it's like it's like when you get insights and insights from data. Mm. That is the one part and you can tell this insights to another person to a customer and he's like, 
Oh wow, that's that's interesting. So when you when you can see that and and given and some some other people that that insight and uh, they are like uh, surprised from that or something that that that's that's quite that's quite funny. So mm. that is one part, and it's like um, I can uh, I can do the programming stuff. I can try things out, even in if if it's data cleansing or validation. And that's that's huge fun, and it's a community where people are sharing a lot. So you can. Uh, I'm quite overwhelmed of information. I, I read some posts at Reddit. Um, there are communities here. There's a Slack community. Um, I. I really love to uh, to listen to the short videos of Suraj Raval, and uh, mm -hmm. so GitHub is great great pool for like uh, like sharing some code or um, I, I I love this this concept of sharing uh, and working together on on like uh, a, a bigger 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 team bigger project. So mm. that's what what yeah. Totally, totally, but, totally get you yeah. the the whole community side of things. Yeah. And, the sharing, the yeah, gotcha. I think it's like a little club, right? Yeah, I, I think there's no other. Or do you have an idea? Is there another uh, community or in another sector or something which are so like uh, closely bound by by uh, by all the tools and all the forums uh, which you have? So oh, um, good question. I would say like um, fans of some board game like or card game like magic yeah. the gathering you know like that's what it feels like yeah uh, people yeah. who who like something more hobbies you know like why yeah. paper people putting together cardboard planes or what, what are they called like yeah. models plane models and things like that that's that's what it really feels like um so it's uh, and uh, i guess that's because a lot of people do do it as a hobby as well like they have a a job at their, their full-time job whether it's data science or not but then in the evening they like learn more stuff more skills you know if you're i don't know uh if you're in a more traditional type of role you usually like you you work hard at your job and you maybe love your job but when you get home you know you're not gonna like uh, uh i don't know like if you if you make coffees all day right you're probably not gonna come back home and and learn how to make more <laughs> coffees and share that. Maybe people do that. I, I yeah. don't know. But like, in my understanding, this is more kind of a hobby as well, uh, as in yeah. addition to just a profession. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's your favorite thing. And a philosophical question to wrap up our podcast. Slowly coming to the end. I can't imagine. Like, I can't believe how quickly this hour flew by. I've been having so much fun chatting to you. This is crazy. Um, where do you think the field of data science is going and what do you think our listeners should look into to prepare for the future and to have to be able to build careers for themselves in uh in the future of data science mm. i'm i'm seeing so many things developing and i think um the most important for for like one data scientist is uh to strongly specialize and to pick out the things which are the most fun for you so um there are all the sensor informations which are coming you're getting more and more data um streaming data um, neural networks are a trend so um audio image rec recognition comes more and more so um I think it's it's important to focus on what is fun for you and and uh, um, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So find out I'm, what you enjoy. Like there's lots of there's so many way so many subfields in the field of data science. Like you just don't don't settle for doing something. Like right, if I'm understanding you correctly, yeah. do what you actually love doing. Yeah, definitely. The I, projects are, are getting more and more. We, we see it from from um, from uh, um, the side of uh, the point of view from our uh, from the consultancy. We're getting more and more requests and, and projects, and data is growing. So um, it's hard to say where, where where it will go. But there are trends mm -hmm. um, which I see. Um, there are trends uh, um, going to the blockchain, decentralized apps, and so on and so forth. But uh, I can hardly say like how it will be in two years or five years. So, <laughs> yeah, too, too early for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody knows at this stage. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I think like a lot of people will get some valuable insights from here. If uh, our listeners would like to contact you, follow you, find you, follow your career. 
where are the best places to get in touch? Uh, the best place is uh, directly via, via Twitter mm -hmm. or uh, via LinkedIn. I can share you the URLs yep. um, if that's convenient for you. So yep, we'll um, include those on the show notes. If you if you don't mind yeah. saying your Twitter handle on the right, like now, mention it so just in case people want to look you up right away. Uh, the Twitter handle is like <laughs> it's uh, Hopfi80, uh, H O P F I 80. So you tried to pronounce my name in the beginning. Yeah. You did very, very good. So, <laughs> and this right. is the, the abbreviation of, of my name. That's uh, right. Okay. All right. We'll yeah. definitely include those links in the show notes. And, uh, and one final question for you today What's a book that you can recommend to our listeners to help them? Uh, become better at their careers or develop their own lives in in a better way. Uh -huh. um, for for me, it was always the elements of stati statistical learning where I always come back to it because uh, I think it's very it's strong in mathematics. It's it's definitely not a book uh, which you begin to read uh, in in two days. You read it from from the beginning to the end, but it's a book I always come back to. Um, mm. Um, reading something so that 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 would be my favorite book awesome elements of statistical learning for our listeners there okay well once again thank you so much andreas for coming on the show it's been a pleasure chatting to you like i mentioned it's uh, kind of, the hour flew by extremely quickly and i hope our listeners uh, picked up a few ideas i'm sure there's tons of valuable insights that people can action from this podcast Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much, Kirill, as well. It, it was really a pleasure for me. It was very exciting <laughs> to be to be on a podcast. And yeah, thank you uh, for the chance to, to tell my story. Awesome. Glad. It was a pleasure. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. That was Dr. Andreas Hopfgartner from Be Intelligent. I really hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And for me personally, the most exciting part I would say was like, of course, there's so much to choose from. We talked about so many things, but I would say the most exciting part for me was learning more about the Internet of Things and um, those different examples and understanding how not just companies, but even cities are starting to use um, inter the Internet of Things and data to better themselves, to better, uh, to provide better services to their citizens and how the Internet of Things is actually affecting our lives without us often even realizing it so that was our podcast for today i'd really love to know what uh, your favorite part was would be interested to see how uh, what takeaways people had from here uh, if uh, you like this episode and if you think that there's somebody you know who can benefit from it then make sure to forward it on to them so they can also find out a bit about the internet of things and I highly encourage getting in touch or connecting with uh, Dr. Andreas Hopfgartner. You can find his um, link, the link to his LinkedIn and uh, to his Twitter at the show notes, which are available at www.superdayscience.com slash 143. There you will also find the transcript for this episode if you'd like to uh, read our conversation in text. And on that note, thank you so much for being here today. I can't wait to see you back here next time. And until then, happy analyzing.